Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Scrubbed In. Now before we move on, with the huge disruption to medical school teaching and exams, online platforms have become vital to continue our development. This episode has been sponsored by a superb exam bank, QuizMed. They're an online exam bank with over 3,800 questions, 10,000 flashcards and a full online book of medical notes. The platform is friendly, it's clear and it's high in quality. The testimonials are pretty impressive too. We've got students with distinctions, students that have rescued their years and just in general smashing it. Sign up using Scrubdin25 for 25% off on QuizMed.com. Now let's return to the show. Hey guys, welcome back to another weekly episode of the Scrubbed In podcast. This week, we've got another guest, Dr. Jamshed, who happens to be um, someone we went to med school as well with. He's a young academic doctor based in Basildon. Um, and the beauty about him is he's just not a doctor. He's published a book. He's involved in loads of society works and a startup and really doing lots of cool and quirky things. And the best thing of all is into his kicks. He loves his trainers. <laughs> We're going to put the link for his Instagram, so make sure you go and check it out. But introduce yourself, bro. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, my name is Fasa Jamshade. Um, I'm an academic doctor currently working in Basel and Essex, and I'm the founder of Young Academics. Um, in my spare time, currently I'm working on a blog, which you guys can check out. Um, but yeah, thanks, for, thanks a lot for having me. No worries, man. Thank you for coming down. You're welcome. Um, with all the episodes, since you're a medic, we all kind of like to quickly touch on your journey to kind of med school and then we'll take it from there on all the wonderful things you're doing. So how was that journey? Um, so to be honest with you, uh, I never, I, I didn't have that sort of desire to become a medic since like, you know, I was five years old or anything like that. <laughs> a lot of people put on yeah. their personal statements. Mm. Um, I was just, to be honest, I, I liked certain subjects. I liked science, um, biology, chemistry, maths. Um, and I, I think when it came closer towards uh, you know the time where we had to choose mm. um, a sort of a subject to pursue at university, yeah. um, that's when I really became switched on because I knew that okay, my older brother who's a doctor who's one year older than me is currently mm. an F two doctor. Do I follow in his footsteps or do I decide to go another way? Because that's sort of a ma- massive you know life decision which you can't really turn back on you can but it makes things very difficult down Mm. down the line Mm. um so i'm very lucky to have like two parents who you know did a lot for me who kind of pushed me when i wasn't wasn't focused when I was just playing games mm. around that time. And buying trainers. Buying and buying trainers. Tra- <laughs> actually, so what, not another time. What's this love with the trainers? Like, when, where did that stem from? I think that started after university. Um, okay. But my older brother, he was always into kicks at the yeah. time. So I kind of, like, watched him <laughs> yeah. get into it. And then I think once I went to university, I remember in the first week or so, yeah. I was like, you know what, I've got, I've got terrible shoes. <laughs> like, I had one casual pair of trainers, one yeah. football yeah. like pair and one formal like that was it there was nothing <laughs> yeah. else you'd find seriously Seriously. if you, if, if you like well, see you now you're proper like hip you dress yeah. kind of oh thanks man cool <laughs> different shoes you know, every day yeah and like exclusive ones you, you wouldn't be able to see like you know what he's, he's like a, an, a young academic you'd think like yeah, yeah. he's a hipster he's skateboards on the weekend he's out there doing some creative and got a short coffee mean? shop <laughs> um, always yeah but yeah so you went to medical mm-hmm. um what fascinates me and what is quite inspiring from you is you are always involved in lots of different things and you're mm. more of a, like a starter, you've got things up and running. Mm. Um, 
the one I liked the most of all the things he did while at university was the clinical specialties society. So why did you do that? What was the need? Like, talk us through that. So I think in order to explain how I kind of came to that, mm-hmm. is it like, um, I think first I should explain where that sort of, you know, where it came from, this sort of creator mm. sort of mentality. Mm. Absolutely. Um, so a lot of people don't know this, but w- during my sort of secondary school days, I had a YouTube channel. Mm. Um, I had a gaming channel. Yeah. What? Yeah. You would never find me, don't worry. I'm oh, not going to no, give away any okay, sort no, of no. identifiers. <laughs> Fine. Um, but essentially my face wasn't on it. It was sort of just, you know, video footage. Yeah. I had done some editing. So yeah. I had already gotten used to some of these, you know, complex softwares. Mm. I I was making things, putting them out there and sort of waiting for feedback. So I think from that point on, I, I just really knew that, you know, I loved making things and yeah. putting them out there for people. Yeah. That sort of fizzled out towards university because I knew that I couldn't keep that up. I yeah. shouldn't be playing games mm-hmm. so much, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think when I went to university, the first few years were spent just sort of getting used to socializing. Mm-hmm. And I was very unproductive, mm-hmm. relatively, yeah. but I was enjoying myself. Mm-hmm. Um, we, all <laughs> we all were in the yeah. first few years, of course. Um, then I decided to, I think one, I think it was in my fourth year, my integrated BSc year, mm-hmm. is when I created um, a teaching company, MedTalk. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my first sort of, you know, turned back into the sort of creator side um, from, you know, creating a website from scratch to yeah. sort of f- formulating an event, mm. putting it out there for people and actually seeing like sales come in and mm. things like that. Mm. That's what, what, I what sparked that? Because it was four years before you actually did that and you've mm-hmm. got clearly a creative mindset. So what, what, why was there a four year delay? As I said, I think I was just too busy socialising and having <laughs> you, fun. You got caught in the university I, life. I got caught up in the university life. But yeah. I'm thankful that when things started to slow down, yeah. mm. I realised that, you know, I started focusing a bit more on my work and I started mm. thinking, what's more important to me? Mm. That, I mean, I didn't really know how that co- company sort of, you know, project yeah. would turn out. Mm-hmm. But I think that sort of rekindled mm. my love for put, making things, putting them out there, learning Absolutely. new skills, yeah. etc. So coming back to your original question, mm. um, how did I, you know, come up with Clinical Specialty Society? Mm. <coughs> so... After my after the second year of MedTalk, the teaching company, mm. it didn't go so well as I had planned. I sort of I assumed that I had some sort of momentum and I didn't have yeah. to put in much effort with the marketing, the advertising, things like that. Mm. And that the the turnout on what two of our events weren't as good as I had hoped. Mm-hmm. So what I decided to do was to sort of rethink some strategies and sort of switch off for a bit. Mm. So for an entire year, I started started reading, started sort of building up my knowledge. Mm. And at the same time, I was getting close to um, my final year of medical school. And I realized that I sort of hadn't done anything to leave my mark mm-hmm. on, on King's. Um, I hadn't really implemented anything. And I had a lot of ideas, but uh, as you know, it's quite difficult choosing which one t- you know, to sort of pursue mm-hmm. and put your energy into. Um, so I o- And also, I always had a bet with one of my friends, which was <laughs> sort of, um, I-, I didn't like the idea of having to sort of get a menial sort of role in the society to work your way up yeah i i thought why not just create your own you mm. become the president yeah. but not necessarily just get the president role i wanted to obviously if I, my name is going to be besides mm. a certain role you have mm. to you know that's yeah. a reflection upon yourself mm. exactly mm-hmm. um so i created clinical specialties society which was a society that had basically had two core aims one was to help students find the specialty the clinical specialty of 
you know, um, which especially for loads of medical students, even doctors, we don't actually know what we want to do. True. It's something that we're expected to sort of, you know, uh, search for alongside mm-hmm. medical school. But many yeah. of us, we don't either don't think it's that important. We think we'll leave it to the later years. Yeah. Um, and we've got enough of on our plates learning, um, you know, clinical medicine and trying to keep up mm-hmm. other hobbies, stay healthy, etc. So I thought, why not try and spoon feed and you know um, all, all these medical students, bring the speakers to them, bring all the information to them, so they can make an informed decision. Mm-hmm. Um, not sort of a lot of the you know um, these conferences and events which are hosted by you know the Royal Society of mm-hmm. Surge- Surgery, mm-hmm. uh, GP, etc. Mm-hmm. They're sort of trying to pull you towards their, their yeah. specialties. Their it's, it's bias. They've got yeah. their agenda. So I thought, why don't we bring a few speakers down from different levels of, you know, training, mm. male, female, different backgrounds, etc., who can give um, like the pros and cons of the specialty in a very realistic way. Yeah. And then if you if you you know if you decide that okay, I like this specialty, how do I go about it? Number one, mm. and number two, how do I get an edge, yeah. etc. Fine. So that was the first element, sort of these regular events mm. on different specialties. Mm. The second. Um, component of the society was to find research projects in those specialties alongside the events yeah. and sort of make it a little bit transparent more than usual so we would find a project uh, specifically ask the researcher or the clinician what do you want from the student put it in writing so that we can offer it to the student mm-hmm. and the students can specifically apply for that project mm. with a you know small statement yeah. um, so essentially putting the choice back into the student's hands. Because yeah. as you guys know, we, we'd always be, be given the illusion of choice at university, yeah, yeah, yeah. but we'd never actually get what we wanted yeah, to do. Exactly. Yeah. So that may, so I, because I had a bad experience early on in medical school with research, mm. I thought, how can we change that? Yeah. So that think, was, yeah. yeah, so just on that point, I think as a medic, you expect to do lots of different things, audits, research, but because it's wrapped in loads of webs, it's very difficult to understand what's expected of you, what do they want, how do you actually even go about getting a supervisor to do a research project, let alone in something you're interested in, right? When I saw what you were doing a bit more open, a bit more transparent, and there seems to be a bit more flexibility and power in the student's hands, I thought, you know what, this he's onto something. Mm. Um, what was the response when you put it out there? So obviously standard, you know, market yeah. testing. What was the response with this new way of getting students involved in research? Were they receptive to it? Were there complaints or, you know? I think I think that was the, the one thing that sort of built up our society very quickly. Mm. I mean, the events had a good turnout in the beginning, but I think what really clicked with people was the sort of research pairing scheme. Because yeah. people were desperate, essentially. Yeah. They, they mm. almost appeared desperate for these projects. Mm-hmm. We knew that we were doing something right because mm. for each project we had out there, we were having five to six applications. We oh, had wow. to turn down a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And no project that we put up um, was uh, yeah went to waste mm. because everyone had applied. I think I think you solved a, actually a very very important problem because I think only a handful of medical students actually knew how to get a research project, how to get published, how to get an audit, and what you've done essentially is taken that and offered it to the whole of the uh, medical school cohort. Um, so the response was very good, then, isn't it? So it must be very competitive now. Get a a project. Yeah, definitely. I, I think we had to sort of come up with you know some rules to yeah. stop people from applying. Schemes, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. Because you yeah. know, there's always some pesky medical students mm. who would apply for every if single we, one. Yeah. So, so we, not one guy taking up ten projects. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and people would try that, yeah. but we had our mm. own rules. So Good. we thought you know one project per person per year. I think mm. that was fair. Mm. Um, we also just implemented a small fee for mm. the society in order mm-hmm. for you to apply for these projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I think that just showed that there was, you know, the level of demand that people would yeah, pay great. a small fee just for the opportunity to apply for a project. Yeah. That's when we realized, you know what, there's actually a real demand out there. We knew yeah. we were onto something. Mm-hmm. So it's just like kind of an old age problem. You saw a problem and you kind of used your experience that year where you kind of hibernated, learned how to do things properly and you gave them a solution and it's what people wanted. And it's that whole thing with Apple and the Steve Jobs thing. It's like a lot of people, they don't really know what they want until you hand it to them, right? It's like the whole iPod mm-hmm. thing, right? And he handed it to them and it's like, wow, why didn't we come up with this? You know, why? You know, it's like that mm-hmm. whole light bulb moment. Mm-hmm. And I think you did that with the specialties. How is the specialties doing now? Are you still running it? What's your role within it? So the society itself mm-hmm. um, is, uh, obviously I've left uh, mm. King's College London now mm. so I've put it in good hands some team team members that were very keen and mm. very you know forward thinking um, th- they've taken over they're doing a great job great. Uh, with regards to the sort of the research element um, I decided to sort of I, I, I identified that it was obviously I thought it was a good idea mm-hmm. and that it could I could continue to put more time into it and make it into something bigger um, so we branded it as Young Academics Okay. Mm-hmm. so now um, instead of being just confined to King's College London we mm-hmm. King's College London is just the one division mm-hmm. of many different medical schools uh, we've set up about three or four uh, other universities at the moment we're currently trying to get um, you know the soci- different societies ratified at other universities so mm. we have different more divisions mm. um, so at the moment I'm kind of dedicating some time to setting up teams elsewhere um, mm. so that all these different universities can apply through one central page mm. which is Young Academics mm. So for our viewers if they're interested in a research project they can just literally go into the website and apply? I think at the moment if they're at King's College London or mm-hmm. any of the other active uh, universities um, they can and they can go on to youngacademics.co.uk go yep, to yeah. the st- student page um, click on the re- university and see if there's any current you know research projects going mm. and if they're if their university isn't on the list they can always you know put together a team and sort of send there's yeah. a, a very clear area where you can try and help young academics get set up at your medical great school university. I think that's great there you go guys so you heard it so no more complaints about researchers hopefully um, <laughs> <laughs> he's now sorted that issue out mm. um, I think but the funny thing about all of this is right so obviously I know you from med school um, like for a few years and initially you were very research orientated you had loads of presentations mm-hmm. post so you are like the budding young academic <laughs> you did your your anatomy bsc yep. um and i used to see you all the time right and then i heard this rumor that jamsha doesn't want to be a surgeon anymore yeah, is that it, true he's planning to become a GP. it wasn't really a rumor i mean i was spreading it to everywhere <laughs> so, so you were spreading your own rumor and, and i was like bro bro you're gonna be a banging surgeon we see each other at weddings i was like duh, 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 duh. and all of a sudden Jamshad doesn't want to be a surgeon now. He wants to be a GP. Mm. Um, and there's two things I actually want to talk about this, and I'll save this, the, the last up a bit for later on. Why? Why? Oh. You're such a young talent. <laughs> yeah. See, um, so my question would be, why not? Why not go from surgery to GP? And I think that is, like, fundamentally something that we need to, like a, like a sort mm. of culture shift that we need to address, yeah. especially within medicine, mm. um, is that when somebody goes from something you know in open quote like high achieving yeah close quote like in terms of like you know ca- uh, cardiology surgery mm. uh, etc etc into something like gp why is it seen as almost as if somebody's either given up mm, or yeah. they've taken the easy route yeah. or something to that effect um 
so I'll tell you how my decision sort of changed from surgery to GP. So as you, as you rightly said, uh, when I first started medical school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, when I was in my first clinical year, this was my third year of medical school, I was in theatre and I realised, you know what, I really want to become a surgeon. Mm. I've always loved the idea of sort of working with your hands, mm. being an extreme perfectionist when mm. it comes to, you know, um, dealing with the human body, etc. I loved studying anatomy. Something just really clicked with me in mm. that way. And just being in theatre, I just really, I, I loved being in theatre. Everything was functional, you know, you come in, you, you get your things done and you're out of there. Mm. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Of, uh, I really enjoyed my BSc as well. I'd say that's probably my favourite year mm. in medical school. Mm. Um, so that BSc was in anatomy and surgery. Mm. I think as I started doing these side projects like MedTalk, like the Society, I realised that one one thing I would love to have alongside my career is to be creating something or mm. be working on projects that I'm passionate about um, and you know, be putting things out there for people to sort of engage in and get feedback, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and I think it came to a point where I was like, okay, so I either continue with you know the, the path of surgery, which mm. I really love, mm. but that the path of surgery wouldn't give me much time to work on other things. Mm. Mm. And so, in terms of me trying to curate my own lifestyle in the future, I knew that I, I would want you know, a part of medicine or surgery, mm. or what have you, mm. but I also like to have some time on the side to be working on projects awesome. that I really like. Mm. And that's when I started considering other specialties. I think just, you know, those events we, I was mentioning earlier as mm. part of clinical specialties, I initially made it for other people because I was so confident that, you know, I mm. found what I wanted. Yeah. When I was there and hosting the events, <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait a minute, ophthalmology sounds <laughs> <Yeah>. quite good. <laughs> that's what happens. Exactly. So it just goes to show that none we're all very closed off to new new ideas, to mm. sort of changing our mind. Mm. And But I think once I, I found, you know, the, the sort of the idea that GP could combine with a sort of portfolio career, having working on projects on the side, yeah. I realised that, you know what, I really like medicine. I, li- I like medicine anyway. I, li- mm. I love a lot of things. Mm. But j- surgery, if I had to do one thing all my life, it would have been surgery. Do you think yes. it would have crushed you? Um, so we know your innate personality, so certain degrees of creative. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel if you kind of... Because as medics, we're quite resilient. We're very goal-orientated, and if we need to, we can kind of push through and do something. Do you feel that if you were to continue doing surgery, come 10, 15 years down the line, you would have made one of the biggest regrets of your life, not pursuing med talk, not pursuing any of these other projects you mm-hmm. were doing? Um, I don't think so. But at the same time, I'm always open to change, just like how I, I, I spent, what, f- uh, you know, a few years building up my surgical portfolio, mm-hmm. and then right at the last minute, switching to GP. Mm. It's, you, some people would say, you know what, it's almost as if all those years went to waste. All that hard work did, yeah. went to waste. But I think that's another mentality which we need to address, which is that if you spend a certain amount of time doing something, but it's no longer making you happy or you find a better route, mm. you should always go for the alternative route because mm. that time has gone regardless. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to get that back. I, I don't think it's also a waste of time at all because in those four years of developing a surgical mm. career, you've also learned so many different things. You Absolutely. Also develop your own personal skills mm. so um, you're right there needs to be a culture shift of are we just wasting time by doing research and things like that if it's not going to tick a box yeah, on an application and I think um, that's what happens to mm. one of our previous guests where we're so like 
you know, doing A must lead to B. Doing this must lead to this. Yeah. It's not like, let me learn to do research for picking up skills for my lateral thinking. Let exactly. me do a research project so I get published, I get my three points, I get my cardiothoracic mm-hmm. job. I think we're so stuck in that culture. And the second thing I wanted to pick up on was the fact that why is it being a GP is seen as like a cop-out? Mm-hmm. Why is it that, you know, I'm on ITU now, which is amazing, and it's like the complete opposite of GP. And every time I say to them, I want to do GP, they're like, oh you know what what the question is what's a waste of talent mm. like you know you're so smart yeah. or you should do this and that and i'm like no but on on that point right so i'm on my gp rotation now seeing six patients an hour and some of them are acutely unwell some of them have got cancers growing in them some of them have certain long-term conditions that are st- slowly starting to manifest and all you have you have no bloods mm-hmm. all you've got is possibly a temperature a blood pressure some oxygen sets and to pick up things off of that, it is really challenging. So mm-hmm. when people say it's a cop-out easy way, I think it's easier to be in A&E, where mm-hmm. I've got bloods, I've got an ultrasound scanner, I've got CT, MRI, mm-hmm. everything available. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about that? What do you think about the... I completely agree. Um, so, I mean, as you said, being in A&E, I mean, you're already on high alert that everything could be a potential mm-hmm. emergency. Being a GP, number one, you'd, the emergencies aren't always obvious. Yeah. Uh, number two, you're dealing with a, a wide scope of you know um, mm. s- specialties. You have to keep you know top up your knowledge on medicine, surgery, pediatrics, obstetrics, what have you. So the level, the breadth of knowledge is is very mm. broad. broad yeah. um, it, you might not have you know the sort of depth within the knowledge yeah. within those specialties, but there's definitely that breadth, which I really like. I, I mean, everyone always says you know you want the same. You you nobody wants to do the same thing day in day out. Mm. But with, you know, now with clinical specialties like surgery, you they're focusing more and more on subspecializing. Exactly. What you know, yeah. operating, what, doing one specific operation. Now, compare that to being a GP, where you can see a headache to you know, um, um, like heart problems to a child, you know, yeah, having difficulty breathing. So you've got everything there. So the variety is there. Yeah. A lot of the problems with GP, I would say right now, is number one, the stress of admin, yeah. the sort of, you know, the sort of processes and organizational sort of setbacks there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, a lot of technology and, um, you know, a lot of these startups are kind coming of in coming in to, yeah, to coming in to sort things out. I think GP will be the first yeah. specialty to benefit from that. Mm. Um, alongside that, I think, so... I had to sort of weigh up these these, these mm. different sort of points between surgery and GP. Mm. So with surgery, I realized that, okay, the glamorous side of surgery is that I'm in theater doing operations, which we all like. Mm. What you don't think about is that you're only in theater for a couple of days a week. The yeah. rest of the days you're in doing clinics and being in hospital, which I don't quite enjoy as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and within those days of doing surgery, you're doing the same old things. For years, you're actually just assisting you know, the senior surgeons. By the time you are a consultant, you're doing a very niche, niche yes, um, sort absolutely. of role. Uh, alongside that, outside of the long hours and extra hours which you have to do, you have to pay extra for courses, you have mm. to study for courses, you have to do extra research because it's incredib- incredibly competitive. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm saying all this despite the fact that I still love surgery, mm-hmm. but I, I considered all of that compared with you know being a GP seeing you know a variety mm. of um, yeah, you yeah. know illnesses etc mm. um, also the fact that that nicely aligns with my goal to be involved with medical education so it keeps mm-hmm. tops up my yeah. knowledge in that side um, you have days off where you can obviously work on your side projects you've got a good lifestyle yeah. we don't think about these things I in think the future the, the thing is this and it's like it's well 
that famous philosopher or Robert Peterson said is we're so caught up in deriving a hundred percent satisfaction a hundred percent contentment from one aspect of our life we fail to realize in actual fact it's better to be content or 70 percent contentment from three or four different things than it is to be this amazing hotshot surgeon whereas i'm sure being a gp having your creative side having you know your youtube or having your startup and your medtech is enough if not more contentment than being just a surgeon or a lone surgeon so it's this concept of understanding you know what as long as i derive happiness from three or four different things i don't need to become a surgeon we're not saying don't be a surgeon there are people i genuinely believe that were born to be surgeons and mm. they are so most faced and obsessed with it and they will become surgeons and you do need people like that mm. you need the, and in five years time it'll probably be like specialists where you work on a single finger on the hand because it's mm. going down that right mm. hand specialist mm. you have to stick to the elbow you can't go past the knee even more specialized maybe just one specific tendon you know, do you know what i mean <laughs> you know, you know? Like, i wouldn't be surprised because medicine is becoming yeah, very more sub 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 mm. specialized it is um which is probably a good thing at the same time there is a caveat to it all despite your creative side I don't know if it is creative. It probably is creative. So you applied for the AFP, mm-hmm. so which is the Academic Foundation Program, which mm-hmm. is different to what me and Ams are doing. Um, so this has an element of the research. Um, how was that process? Because obviously it's a very competitive process. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm leading on to is you've done the process, and I think maybe a similar thing to before, you then went on to publish a book. Mm. Um, so kind of talk to through us why they're there what's the response been like so far with regards to that the AFP and the book so okay so with regards to the academic foundation program mm. I this is one of the things I only sort of realized existed in the middle of medical school so mm. a lot of information isn't really passed down to you especially if you're not seeking it we expect people to sort of feed us this stuff but mm. realistically you have to have that sort of thirst you have to be asking questions to find out these things mm. when during about my third year of medical school, I became a bit more switched on. I was like, okay, let me try and you know, get better grades and things mm. like that. But at the same time, I was trying to do these extra projects. So, I, so I'm, I, I'm kind of of the, of the mentality that it doesn't really matter you know, being first in your class as long as you've you got a satisfactory pass mm. and you have, you, you know, you've got time to work on other things. Mm. Because um, there's, a, I think I really like this quote by Jack Ma, founder yeah. of Alibaba. Yeah. So he's, he basically told his children that, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's okay if you're not top in your class as, mm. long, as, you're, as long as you're passing, yeah. only that sort of child has time to learn other skills, other transferable yeah. skills. But at the same time, obviously, you should always make sure you're best doctor number one, you know, a good mm. doctor mm. number one. You need to make sure you're safe, etc. Mm. So around that time, I was like, okay, I want to do surgery at that point. And what do I do to bulk up my portfolio? What do I want to do? And at the rate I was going, I knew that I wouldn't be finishing top of my class, at, you know, to, or something mm. to that degree. Mm-hmm. So I knew that if I wanted to get a specific placement, that I might try and go a different route, which mm. was an academic route. Mm. Yep. So if I worked a bit more on the academic side, which a lot of people, you know, don't have much to mm. their name with regards to posters and presentations, mm. etc., that maybe I might be able to slide my way in mm. to my mm. first choice Mm. Um, you know, hospital, mm. and at the same time, you know, have something that looks good on my CV. Exactly. Good. Yeah. So I think from my from my um, integrated BSc in anatomy, that's where I decided. You know, I, my my first goal wasn't actually to get a first; mm. it was to get research and get get really stuck in. Because mm, yeah. before that, I had really bad experiences. I was like, now I really need. Now I've I've got a goal, and I know what I need to do to get it. When you say bad experiences, what, what, what happened? Do you want to share? Yeah, so um, I think in my second year of medical school, 
uh, one of these uh, student selected components which obviously I got my 10th choice which I never mm. wanted wow, in the first place oh, I'm pretty sure they sent me a list yeah. I, I, I ranked them all they said sorry you didn't get any here's wow. another list <laughs> yeah they, they do this the illusion okay. of choice Ex- again. exactly the illusion of choice so I'm doing a, a project which I never really enjoyed mm. and we were helping out um, some researchers who had come come from the Netherlands and we they were essentially gonna follow up w- the work we were gonna we were helping them with mm. to publish so we I asked on behalf of myself and one of my colleagues um, is our name going to go on the paper mm. I plugged up the courage to ask him this because yeah. I didn't have a publication I knew this I sort of knew yeah a publication yeah. would be good mm. they said yeah your name will be on the publication like sort of hesitantly uh, months later down the line they're like thanks for a lot for your help here's a manuscript I open it um, <laughs> no can't see my name <laughs> oh, <bloody laughs> scroll right to the bottom and then acknowledgements like wow. right in the fine print it's just like my name like probably that's spelled the worst wrong thing that well. could happen bro. Uh, bro, that's our previous guess yeah our previous the world guess. of research the yeah. world of science it is so snaky it is mm. so cutthroat and the thing is it's not regulated that's another thing mm. and we don't know mm. as a medic we're so naive mm. you if you imagine you know, medics are some of the brightest and some of the smartest cohort of people in the country. Amen. Yeah, when it comes to this stuff, yeah, yeah. when you're getting done, I'll be honest, when you're getting done dirty, yeah, and you are not street smart and yeah. you are grinding and putting hours on end for what a measly acknowledgement, you got played, bro. Yeah. You got played. <laughs> I got Do you know played, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So well, luckily I was like, this is the last time I'm getting played. <laughs> yeah. From now on, we all have to learn from our yeah, mistakes. I'm gonna <laughs> stick up for myself. I'm gonna stick up for other people. You know. Yeah. Um. So wait, coming back to, uh, where I was before. So okay, so I had done all this research, um, and then luckily, obviously, I got the AFP offer, which is yeah. close to my house. It's mm. in medical education, which cool. is something that I really want to do in the future. And at the time, I still wanted to do surgery, but I knew me- medical education is very transferable. Yeah. And it yeah. sort of applies to both surgery. You can apply to whatever you want. To be fair, yeah. And at the same time, you know, have time to teach, etc. Mm. Um, so so now um, I'm currently in the academic, you know, foundation program. This is my first year. Mm. It's a two-year post. Uh, but all the academic stuff sort of starts next year. And I think around the time, I realized that there was a quite a scarcity of resources out there. Mm. And generally, if there was a go-to book, which I knew that, you know, this everyone should use this book or mm. this resource, I wouldn't have even considered making my own. Mm. But at the same time, I'm tr- like I mentioned before, I'm trying to learn new skills, mm. these new transferable skills, they might help in the future. And I, re- I asked one of my, my friends who did, you know, scored top of the mm. year yeah. in, in Kings. Mm. His name's Miguel. He's a co-author on the book. Yeah. Um, I asked him, look, I've got this idea for the book. This is how I picture it. Like, what do mm. you say? He said, yeah, let's do it. Mm. So we met up, uh, we, discu- we discussed how we wanted to go about it, how, you know, all the different sections that we, we wanted to basically improve on previous resources. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we would come out with sort of a fresh experience of, mm. you know, armed with new skills, essentially, Absolutely. how to publish, how yep. to go about this. I mean, it was self-published, but it's still an important skill to learn, yeah. mm. um, you know, work on your writing, etc., and then have some sort of product which you can, you know, pitch to the... Mm. Uh, you know our audience mm. which is a, a skill in itself mm. I enjoy making websites things like that yeah. so I thought that would be quite fun so we did that mm. what's brilliant, the book called? Brilliant. so the book is called um, Applying for the Academic Foundation Programme you're struggling to remember your own book it's, it's, a, it's, it's a very <laughs> hefty we're, we're thinking of maybe condensing it a little bit yeah, is it hef- and where can, can the listeners find the, yeah, find the book where is it available so they can uh, go to afpbook.com yep or they can simply search um, my name or mm. uh, Academic Foundation Program on Amazon, yep. and you, sh- you, sh- you should be able fine. to identify That's fine. it. Then. We'll put in the links below anyway. Updated 2020 guide for your Academic Foundation Program. 
Um, next up, what we want to talk about is role models. Mm. All right. So you're clearly really creative. You really love solving problems, mm. right? Who's inspiring you to do all of that? Um, I think, firstly, it's it's usually the people within our inner circles, the people we sort of know and we can relate to, mm. who are who are inspiring us. Um, so there's a lot of people I know who academically who are really pushing the boundaries on that saying mm. the bar high there mm. uh, there's people we know like um, Muhammad Fawana yeah. mm. starting a YouTube channel um, Ali Abdallah as well yeah. is another mm. role model of mine mm. um, just seeing them do things and break down these sort of um, you know these barriers that we, we thought mm. were out there mm. at the same time I mean I might not necessarily want to do what they're doing but just to see them do it especially yeah. especially on their own I, re- I really like seeing people do that mm. Even yourselves mm. starting a podcast oh. w- within <laughs> our circle. Just, just, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are blushing if you yeah. can't see. <laughs> um, but yeah, just seeing people do things, it just inspires. Even if I, I'm not specifically interested in what they're doing, it's nice to see people going out there and really trying at the very least. Mm. And the least we can do is obviously support support them, either you know helping, like listening to their podcasts, watching mm. their videos, buying their products, or even mm. just cheering mm. from the sidelines. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it started from my inner circles. I think intrinsically having done, you know, making YouTube videos before, mm. I realized that, you know, this is something that I like doing. Mm. So a lot of it was intrinsic as well. Mm, Put making something for other people to yeah. have. Yeah. Then you've got sort of um, uh, celebrities, CEOs, mm. people like Steve Jobs, you know, uh, Jack Ma, mm. um, and loads of other people who aren't coming to mind at the moment, mm. especially via reading books mm. that, um, that, you know, I sort of connected to, I could see I, the things I could never really put into words, these people would put into words, and that's how yeah. we, I connected with what they were saying. And yeah, so I, I don't think I really have a list at the forefront yeah. of my but it's mind. It's good. It's it's like this whole concept of, I think we're in a day and age where it's just not one individual, rather a group of individuals and different attributes and qualities we derive, mm. and we find that inspiring. It may be the work ethic for someone, the resilience for someone, the ability mm. to take a hit, mm. stand up, failures. It's that that kind of gives us the ability inspiration to move forward with whatever mm. we're doing in our own individual endeavors um you s- with this creative side of yours and moving forward is like the article that you did on medium um and i was a subscriber for medium for a while now um because i used to love their stuff i was on gum right gum? so between clinics yeah oh gum, so gum okay gum, yeah so <laughs> genesis urinary medicine by the way right <laughs> the funny story is i only got genesis urinary medicine because i thought it was urology yeah. I genuinely Would thought you it was that? urology's rotation I picked Played that yourself. and then I rocked up to somewhere and I was like yeah but it was probably the best rotation I ever had um, but moving on you now are writing articles on media mm-hmm. and your own platforms and whatnot, um, and you have these interesting topics interesting titles rather you got the the disputed 5am club I don't mm-hmm. think you're a big fan mm-hmm. um, and the life in the fast lane uh, but there was once you said to me where like I want to be in London everything's so fast in London everyone's moving all the time lots of things are happening and I read this test I'm like what happened so mm-hmm. what's the story behind that kind of tell, you know, tell mm-hmm. us about the article what yeah. you intended that's a good and point why you, you, changed. you really stuck it to me yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry guys but good, yeah, good yeah. question I'm ah. like, <laughs> be careful no, bro you wrote this one on his hand <laughs> um, so one thing people need to know about me or you know subscribers listening is that I'm constantly changing my mind mm. um, I think that's probably I mean, at the age we're at, we're allowed to change our minds. Mm. I think we should all constantly be experimenting, trying new things, and not sticking to the first thing that we try. Mm. Um, so I'm constantly trying new things, 
you know, evaluating whether or not it's benefiting me if I enjoy it and then sort of dumping them and putting them aside or just sort of pivoting and mm. going a different direction. Mm-hmm. Now, you're right in, in regards to the fact that I like being in London. Um, I live on the outskirts of London, uh, but within very close proximity. I don't think I'd be able to live in some sort of quiet village mm. where, you know, where, where you have to cycle to the nearest like, corner shop. Yeah. I, can't, I can't do that. <laughs> but being, clo- like being in a sort of quiet area but very close to the buzz, that's mm. sort of how I grew up, mm. and I can't picture myself living anywhere else. Mm. Um, so the article Life in the Fast Lane sort of came from the idea that we're all burning ourselves out or at least I feel like I am and the, my, the people close close to me are mm-hmm. and we we don't really prioritise number one, our health we don't prioritise the things we're doing, we don't really stop to question w- why we're doing them and whether or not they're helping us so I sort of had this sort of you know met- metaphorical like comparison to driving down a highway mm. or a motorway in UK mm-hmm. uh, and it's sort of like when 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 you're driving so quickly you're just fo- you can only really focus on what's going on yeah. you know, right ahead of you and so many times um, you know like where there's been an opportunity or something which has popped up in our lives which um, may have benefited us we don't have the time to slow down and change direction we don't because that, that would mean having to put our foot on the Mm. on the you know the mm. break mm. and slowing down what we're doing mm. it's just incredibly difficult when we're constantly fixated on on a few things to consider alternative mm. you know options but so do you not need to so this is this 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 balance right mm-hmm. do you not need to be obsessed so infatuated by an idea to make it immensely successful that taking your foot off the pedal may be counterintuitive or maybe bad for you I'm just mm-hmm. playing the devil's advocate no, 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 here yeah, yeah absolutely um what is your response and stance on that? Mm-hmm. If for someone well, to I say, th- I think that anything, anything that you want to create, which you want to take far, hmm. will take time. Hmm. That's a given. If if you if you want to get somewhere qu- quick, then like, okay, fair enough. You might want to put your foot on the gas, but you will only get there quick. It doesn't necessarily mean that you'll get there far. Now, if you're if you're going a hundred miles an hour, hmm. you're gonna get burnt out. For sure. Yeah, mm. I mean, in the short term, it might it might benefit you. You might get somewhere quicker, but you're gonna burn out. And just like the metaphor I use, which was like the hare and tortoise, you're gonna take a nap. Mm. You're gonna sleep. Mm. It, it's unhealthy. It's not so. Most you know CEOs, most people we aspire to you know to be like or create like would all recommend that you know take it slowly, get good habits, mm. and implement them and play the long game. Mm. Um, there's a really nice quote I think it's an African proverb they're like mm. if you want to get somewhere quick mm. go alone mm. if you want to go somewhere far go together mm. and so I mean that's more to do with like teamwork and things yeah. but um, equally true yeah so I think just sort of reflecting on, on the fact that I was so you know in my mind about what, I, what I'm doing what I'm trying to achieve at the same time you, can be, you should be very obsessed mm. with what you're doing mm. but you shouldn't you shouldn't be you know incorporating unhealthy habits um, towards sure. getting there. Yeah. So, sorry to cut you up. It reminds me before I go into that. So we talked about the CEOs, right? Mm-hmm. Then it brings on Amz's favorite thing. He loves to do the five a.m. club. Mm-hmm. I'm anti five a.m. club since the day I heard about mm-hmm. it. One, I love my sleep too much. Secondly, I think that it's everywhere. It's like it's all over Instagram. It's all over everywhere. Like if you're not part of the five a.m. club, you're never going to be successful. <laughs> all the best CEOs wake up at five a.m. I'm not waking up for 5 a.m. I don't care. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Never. <laughs> like, um, and then you said your stuff, and I read your article, and I, 
I was glad. It's a bit more reassuring when. Do you think it's just it's a nice concept to to be part of this club or to think about? It, but when it actually comes down to doing it, it's actually it maybe works for some people. But mm. for me, it was a waste of time, mm. waste of sleep, rather. <laughs> so I think um, I think the idea of waking up at five a.m. like I'd I'd always dream about you know the <laughs> the day that would come that I'd be able to magically wake up at five a.m. Watch sunrise with like yeah. a coffee and just be doing work while yeah. the world is asleep. Like yeah. obviously that's just like a dream for me. But like, I can't. I can't do <laughs> it. You probably are dreaming. I, that I, can't, I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's some people who naturally wake up early. I mean, science has shown mm. that some people people have different sort of biological clocks. Mm. Um, but some and some people require less sleep than others. Mm. But my my the sort of my issue is when people start to encourage waking up at five a.m. And cutting off sleep as well. That's where I my agree, problem comes for sure. in. And I mentioned this in my article. I said, you know what? Like, if you wake up naturally, if you're an early bird and you wake mm-hmm. up at five a.m., mm-hmm. I envy you because I still do. I, I wish I could wake up mm-hmm. early. You know, get things done during my day, and that would probably require me to sleep early, which I could do, and that would mm-hmm. be perfectly fine. Get a full eight hours of sleep. But my issue is when people recommend you to cut back on sleep. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say, you know. I mean, it's it's scattered within our our language, within our music and everything. You know, cutting back on sleep. Or sleep is for the weak. Mm. Two chains said, "I'll sleep when yeah. I die." You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know. And I'm just like, yeah, exactly. I'll sleep when I die. Exactly. <laughs> no, Pfizer makes a very crucial point though. He talks about the five a.m. club, but he talks about doing it for the at the detriment of health mm-hmm. and mental well-being. Am I exactly. correct? Yeah. Um, so no, absolutely. I absolutely agree with Pfizer, and it's the. The difference between us two, I guess, mm. I get my most productivity mm-hmm. in the morning mm-hmm. when everyone else is asleep and I'm doing my work. Um, but again, I don't cut back at the detriment mm. of my mental health and um, just general well-being. Um, so I do think that's the most crucial, crucial bit that mm-hmm. you've put out in that article is that don't try and join that club at the detriment of yourself to be a part of the club. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And you shouldn't so, yeah. force yourself. As in, mm-hmm. let's be honest, you're either an early one or now, right? Mm-hmm. Learn that's that first is, and yeah. foremost, mm-hmm. how you work and when you're best active and most efficient and productive, right? There is no reason for us to kind of conform to what society wants or what society perceives as, you know, this CEO, founder mentality. Mm-hmm. Like, sleep, enjoy it. <laughs> you need 12 hours. Okay. I am an advocate. Fazza, do you agree with 12 hours? What, how, how many hours do you To be you? honest, um, well, I could I could never really tell you because it's so it's variable. So I think like Imagine oh. this guy is waking up at 4 a.m. Yeah. What time <laughs> do you actually wake up, by the way? Usually, I mean, for work, 7, yeah. seven o'clock-ish. Um, on weekends, I'll, I'll probably try and catch up on sleep. And that's one True, thing yeah. that we do is like, it's difficult going to sleep early. Mm. Waking up, obviously, now we have alarms. We have things that mm. make us get up out of yeah. bed. Yeah. But we the, sometimes the difficulty is going to sleep earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of the times, like, even now, I, I think of myself as an old man. I still mm. go to sleep around 12, no later, no mm. earlier than 12, mm-hmm. which is I'm only getting seven hours of sleep. True. Yeah. yeah. And most time I'm getting six, roughly. If, yeah. um, and so what happens is by the time you reach a weekend, or you, ba- I have catch up sleep, so I have, yeah. I just basically, I'm in a slumber for like ten hours. I don't have set an alarm, mm. and that happens even if you're operating at about seven hours, just under, yeah. you know, your recommended amount, uh, your not, you know, your that amount that you need. Um, it feels like you're operating, you're operating fine, and then about five, six days in, um, I just have this urge to sleep super early. I have a twelve hour sleep yeah, from like, yeah. I get home and it's like. 7 o'clock and I sleep until literally the next day yeah. at work but it catches up with you sleep it is one of those up. things right it's exactly. like you're not a superman it's not, it's not something you can put off mm. it will, 
it's human, it's physiological, mm. right? Like, it will catch up with you and you'll just feel tired. I'll be honest, there have been times even in theatres where like, I am dozing off with mm. like a camera stuck in someone's abdomen. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, sleep will catch up with you. It does, it does. So absolutely. you can't play games with sleep, mm. yeah? Um, but it's good. Like, I think the fact that you're right, you kind of raised the issue and you're kind of like, there's more to it and whatnot. I was mm. quite ha- happy to read all of that. Um, and if people want to read more about sleep, I would really recommend Why We Sleep. Yeah, so I saw Matthew you got Walker. that book, then I thought, you know it's what? It's amazing. I'm gonna pick it up. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. honestly amazing. Especially coming, anyone from a medical background, mm. we're not taught about medicine in any way. Mm. So I was literally like, I was, my, ma- my mouth was open mm. yeah. when I tell you the things I was reading and the evidence that he was providing. I mean, he's a, he's a sleep uh, expert, he's got a PhD mm. in neuroscience and sort of sleep psychiatry. Mm. Um, so yeah, definitely give that a read. Fine. Um, We've taken up a fair bit of your time. Um, so a good way to wrap it up, if you don't have any more questions, Ams, is advice. A bit of advice to all the young medics, the prospective medical students, um, whatever you feel is, what you would have told yourself at that time, perhaps, or what you feel is beneficial for them to know. Um, and then we can call it. So over to you. Okay, so first of all, I would probably say try not to be too fixated on on one thing, particularly like being the best in your class. I know it's controversial information, but I would, I would say mm. try and have some time where you can do things outside of your work. We're now coming to like a generation where we're, we're lucky enough to have all these, all these productive sort of tools around us to help us mm. sort of become more productive and open up more time to ex- ex- like you know experience new things. Mm. Um, so if you want to make you know a podcast, if you want to start YouTube, just go for it. And it's a whole learning curve in itself. Like you know having to put things out there, deal with like trolls and things mm. like that. That's good like life experience for sure. And also say read, whether that be you know actually holding a book, Kindle, or listening to audiobooks. Mm. Um, I only started roughly about two years from like one and a half years from now. And I'd say that's probably been like one of the best things I've implemented in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm actually super inspired by yourself and um, Abdul as well. You guys read a lot. Okay, and when, sure. I, when I started actually <laughs> picking up, so I like audiobooks more, but the mm-hmm. concept of reading and mm. gaining knowledge from an, another person, I think it is such a huge I mean, audiobooks still count. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's personally the yeah. same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, it's not exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. But like for me, the how I started was, I, I I have a really bad attention span, mm-hmm. so I'll be staring at page and I'll, I'll have to I'll, I'll daydream. I'll have to start over again, mm-hmm. and I'm still very very slow. That's why I still haven't finished why we sleep. I started like months ago, <laughs> but all your all your books I'll rip through in about four or five days because yeah, you speed okay, up good. on the way to work. You don't obviously you can't really. You can't read and drive. That's yeah. dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> especially oh, in the fast oh, lane. Be a good, <laughs> good advice. Wow. <laughs> be a good DVD. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. So, try audiobooks. That that basically got me in mm. into reading. Because before I was like, what can a book sort mm. of offer me? I didn't know what the format of a book would look like. Mm. Like these non-fiction books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How would it help me it's in amazing, my life? I think, yeah. And the fact is that it, it can take shape in any any form. Yeah. Um. So specifically, if you're gonna read whatever you need help in at that point, whatever you're searching for, whichever questions you have, it's best to read something then and there on that topic because yeah. then you really, you're really, you're like your mind is open to yeah. taking in new ideas. It just opens up a whole new world and I'm, I'm a lazy guy. All the hard work is AMS and I'm, <laughs> I'm this stand on the shoulders of giants, right? Like, like he works in ITU. So <laughs> like, you know, like a lot of the people have done all the hard work. They've gone through the experience. Mm. They've got an expertise. It is silly 
if we are new to something and we don't kind of pick their brains and we don't learn from them Absolutely. and it just kind of equips you with an immense amount of knowledge mm. and just makes you a better all-round individual mm-hmm. um, but yeah I think it's a good time to kind of wrap up but we want to thank you immensely for coming down well, thank um, you I enjoyed this a lot I found out a bit more about you um, I want to wish you the best of luck with all your endeavours young academics your book your AFP program you're doing loads of amazing stuff so keep at it keep it up bro um, keep it up thanks and we want to see you kill it same same to you guys I mean I love the Scrubbing <laughs> podcast make sure you guys keep plugging <laughs> yeah. away uh, thank no, you I think play, the, play the long game yeah you have to play the long game before we go off air I want to shout out our sponsor one more time Quesmed with medical schools opting to now assess students online Quesmed is your vital source to giving you the practice you need to excel Quesmed is a medical platform made up of over 3,800 questions, 10,000 flashcards and a full online book of medical notes. The platform is friendly, clear and high in quality. Head over to quesmed.com and use Scrubbedin25 for 25% off. Um, and a massive thank you to all our listeners and supporters. Make sure you tune in every week. We've got loads of amazing guests coming up. Make sure you check out the website www.scrubbedin.co.uk. There's a forum there. We've got loads of exciting things coming up. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of the week.